Lord, we bless you for who you are. We magnify your great name. You alone are God. You are awesome in your ways. We bless you for your love for us and you brought us together to share with us, to have fellowship with us. We thank you. We pray, mighty God, as we come together this evening, that you will speak to us by your spirit. Open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to hear from you and to understand what you are saying. Help us, Lord, to live lives that are in tune with your will and your mind. Mm. That ultimately, we will reap the harvest and the fruits of that which you want us to gather. Thank you for hearing us. For the great things you will do tonight. We worship you and adore your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank God once again this evening that we come together to hear the word of God. Don't know how I feel this evening. I just feel the Holy Spirit actually is at work in our hearts and our lives tonight. Not really myself, I must say. So, even as I was looking at this thing that we were seeing, it's so awesome, so amazing. And I'm sure this person will under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. There's so many things there that even if you were to just minister on the song alone, it's enough message for tonight. Will just be enough message for tonight to capture the picture of that Psalms 126, verse 6. Like I said yesterday, that when we read that Psalms 126, I decided to split it into two. So I looked into verse 1 to 4, which I call the Song of Redemption. But tonight, as I said I was going to speak on verse 5 and 6, which I call the great expectation. These are my words, the great expectation. But I want us to read that psalm again and pay attention to what he says. In fact, what I was going to do is to really expand that the spark and six, maybe beyond what we might probably be thinking about. I want to see this amazing God, how God does his own things. God is so wise in his own ways. The way he put things together is it, so amazing. You know, sometimes you read scripture and see what God is saying and what God is doing, it really amazes you. Because it's so relevant to our lives. It's so relevant to everything we do, either as a people or as a church. I'll read. Sorry, I'm emotional. I don't mind me. Right. So when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. 
Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Those who continually go forth reaping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again and be rejoicing, bringing his sheaves within. Like I said yesterday, this was meant to be like a song. When the children of Israel were going to Jerusalem on one of the three festivals, animal festivals, that God commanded them to observe. And they were singing this song and singing other songs from Psalms 120 to Psalms 134. The 15 Psalms are called the Song of Ascents. So Psalm 126 is one of the songs of Ascents. And the Song of Ascents is when these people sing as we are approaching Jerusalem on one of the festivals. I remember some few years ago when I went from Hawaii to, to Israel and we were in a coach. We were in a coach with other pilgrims, pilgrims. And then our, our guide was sitting in front, a Jewish man. And as we were coming up, and as we were climbing, the coach was going up the hill. I could see the dome of the rock, I could see where the temple was, high up on the hill, the way the scripture describes And as we were ascending, and this man began to sing, oh wow. This Jewish man wanted to sing one of the songs of Ascents. He was singing in Hebrew. As he was singing, I was looking at myself. I tell you, I was weeping throughout. I was just weeping. Capture the image, the picture of the children of Israel going up to Jerusalem. But I was just singing. I was not a spirit. I was looking at myself. I was not there anymore. I was singing. I was singing. I didn't even know what he was singing. But I knew he was singing the Psalms. He was going up, up, up. I could see the picture, the hill there. And Zion. The city of God, right up there. And that's why this people are still there. And it says, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like a people that dream. They didn't expect that one day they're going to celebrate again after 70 years of being away. And now here they are coming and begin to sing. So we were like people who dream. Something that they didn't expect was going to happen is not happening before their very eyes. And people saw the joy in their faces. And the Bible says, and they said among the nations, in verse 2, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for them. And they also testified in verse 3. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are God. God has done great things. There are so many things that can make us to testify of what God has done in your life. Amazing things, great things, things you least expected to see are beginning to happen. Because God is God. He does things far beyond human imaginations and expectations. And that's the God that we serve. And I want to understand this God in that way. But sometimes we tend to expect things 
in a particular way that God has no agenda. He will call for things. He will speak for things from the end about the end times, even from the beginning. He will say things that are far ahead. Things that are 700 years ahead. 70 years ahead. 100 years ahead. Because he can see. He knows all things. He understands all things. He is an all-wise God. He's able to put things together. Shape things together. In order that he will fulfill his counsel and his purpose. That was why he was able to stir up the spirit of King Cyrus. As written in Ezra number 1. He had to fulfill the word of the Lord through the mouth of Jeremiah. He started up a pagan king to bring that fulfillment to come to pass. What happened about him? A man like Joseph. He was there in prison. The least expect that he was going to be delivered. The man that he thought was going to speak on his behalf for God. But God had an agenda, he has a plan. And what happened here? The king had a dream. Nobody could interpret that dream. Nobody. God blinded the eyes of all the magicians, all the astrologers, all the philosophers, because he had an agenda for somebody. And suddenly, the man that he had hope on, remember, ah, there's a man there in prison. He will interpret the dream for you. And then suddenly he went to prison. There is a man all covered in years all about. They had to quickly shave him, shave him, make him eat, shave his clothing. They appeared before Pharaoh. And he got there, and they asked him, Can you interpret this dream? I said, Well, I cannot. But there is somebody I know who can interpret it. That is God Himself. And he gave the man the dream, and he gave the interpretation. Not only did he give interpretation, he gave instruction about what to be done. And Pharaoh said, There's nobody else that can do that. You, you do the job. They appointed him the Prime Minister of Egypt. From prison last night to Prime Minister overnight. The very thing God planned to do, even the thing that God had revealed to Abraham, became fulfilled in the end. But God told Abraham, your descendants will be in a foreign land for 400 years. Abraham not even had a son. And not even had a son. But God said, your descendants are going to be in a foreign land for 400 years. What happened? Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had two sons, I mean 12 sons, and the 12 sons became the nation of Israel. And these people were individuals in the Egypt for 400 years. And when after 400 years were fulfilled, God released them back to their land. What I'm saying to you, God is not limited by anything. He's all wise. He knows all things. Let's go back to this message. So those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again, with rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with him. When we look at verse 5 and 6, talk about sowing seeds. 
and reaping the harvest. We want to talk about sowing in tears and reaping in joy. And it also speaks about perseverance and a continuous and repeated process of sowing. Not just a word of something, something you do continuously. Continuously. Even as the sun earlier on, so sowing in the morning, sowing seeds of kindness, sowing in the noon time, mm. and the dew eve, mm. and waiting for the harvest. Talk about sowing in the sunshine, sowing in the shadows. Fearing neither clouds, nor without chilling breeze. Going forth with breathing. There are times when you're going to sow. The harvest is not what you expected. Mm. The problems that you go through. For those of you how many of you have ever done any farming before? Farming of any kind. Uh -huh. How many of you know that peanuts are not picked up from trees? <laughs> yes. Somebody once asked me, "Is that peanut or Do you pick up from trees?" I don't trees. I don't know, sir. You pick up from trees. It's on the ground. Yeah. That's why you harvest from the ground. You sow in the ground, you harvest from the ground. Like potatoes. So I have no clue. Somebody, I don't know, was my son or my daughter. I was asking her son. And her son was asking my daughter and said, uh, no, my daughter was asking my son, I said, my, her son and said, okay, uh, where do you get the uh, banana from? Or potatoes from? He said, from just school. Things more than spiritual things. 
that they don't understand. That's why using parables to try and explain things by using what we know to explain what we don't know. So sometimes when you look at the way God has set things in motion concerning natural order of things, you replicate that in a spiritual dimension for you to have a clearer understanding about what God means. And that's why I want us to take up a little bit of a journey. But I don't want to go into too much detail to avoid getting us confused. So you find that from the beginning, I want to look at God's master plan of things. God does not do things just anyhow. He does things with a purpose and with a plan. When you understand the purpose and the plan of God, then it makes it easy for you to identify with it and to work with it. So, in terms of God's master plan, from the beginning, it is the multiplication and abundance of all this creation. Multiplication and abundance of all this creation, whether it's to do with animals or vegetable or of mankind. If you look at John and Genesis 1, that's when we begin to see the way God does things. When we begin to understand things, then you begin to appreciate how, what God intended to do. We're talking about sowing and reaping. As we read from that passage, in Genesis 1, verse 11 to 13, Bible says, And God said, Let the earth be for grass. That's God's command. He spoke there. Let the earth bring forth grass. And the head that yields seed. And the fruit tree that yields fruit according to his kind, whose seed is in the sun on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass. The head that yields seed according to his kind. And the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in the sun according to his kind, and God saw that it was good. That's what God did. So what is he saying here? God commanded the grass to grow. He spoke that into being, and the grass began to grow. And God said, every vegetable, every head that yields seed, let it produce after its own kind. That means that if you have like spinach, for example. Spinach has seeds. I cultivate spinach in my garden and have the bag of seeds of spinach that I have. So all I need to do in the next season, I just pick up those seeds, squash the whole thing, and then spring it up on the ground. And that seed, there's a genetic makeup in that seed that will produce spinach. It will not produce anything else. Pepper has seeds in it. Whether it's green pepper or red pepper or hot pepper. When you plant them, it will produce after its own kind. Tomatoes have seeds. If you plant tomatoes, it's going to produce tomatoes. It's not going to produce anything different. So God makes sure that there's a genetic makeup and everything is all put together in the seed. The power of every life is in the seed. Everything that you want to produce is in the seed. Whether it's in a plant or a human being 
animals. Every man carries a seed. Every woman, every man carries a seed. Every male animal carries a seed. When, it, when the seed is transferred to a woman, the woman incubates it and it produces somebody after the time. When the child is born, it resembles the parents one way, it resembles either the father and the mother in one way or the other. It is after the time. If you have a, 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 a Chinese person, a Chinese woman will be Chinese. African man will be an African man. I was telling my children, I said, all of you were born in this country. But the seed of an African man is in your body. You will always be a black man. You will not be white. You can speak English and German better than the white people. But you're still an African man. Period. Because it's there in you. The genes have been passed on to you. And that's how God wants it to be. One seed after the other produce. Now in terms of one, I want to something else. Verse 20 to 22. You see how God begins to put things in order. The things that will reproduce itself. Because God is about reproduction, multiplication, and abundance of things. He said, then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. You see, there's a command. God made a command, he made a pronouncement that let these things be. Because they have an agenda and a plan to populate this own world with all this creation. So let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. That's when you go to the, the sea, the oceans, the scientists to today are not able to identify all the creatures in the ocean. No! They are still discovering, they are still finding out, and they are not exhausted it. Because God made an abundance of living things in the water. Things that people have not yet discovered. Even in the sky, there are things they have not yet seen yet and discovered because God is interested in all this creation. And God wants diversity. There's a beauty in diversity. I don't know how many of you have ever been to me. Sorry. I, 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 I like this, don't mind me. This is autumn season. I love the autumn. You stand there on the trees and look at the forest. What do you see? Different colors. Brown, yellow, purple, green. All kinds of colors. All together makes a masterpiece. It's beauty in diversity. Beauty in other things. I say God made all the things for his pleasure, for his glory. Amen. When you look at everything, it is so, so beautiful. An abundance of things all over. Look at the white people, the black people, the brown people, the yellow people, and everybody else. He made their diversity for beauty. He didn't make them for discrimination. Man may discriminate, but God doesn't discriminate. Because we are all made in God's image and in God's likeness. So God said, let the birds fly above the earth, across the face of the feminine of the heavens. And God created great sea creatures. I mean, I've never seen a whale dancing in the water. 
When you say where the water, I know this. This awesome. When they are having fun, you see that they come around there, and then sometimes they just lift their tail and slap the water. And having fun. Oh, no, see dolphins. See dolphins dancing in the water. So they go around, and after they stick up their nose, and sometimes they come out of the water again. Having good fun. That's the beauty of what God has done. The great sea creatures all over the sea. And God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with people, waters around them according to their kind. And every winged bird, according to his kind, and God saw that it was good. And verse 32, as God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the sea, and let birds multiply on the earth. God made a pronouncement and a command let them fly, let it go. And they are still multiplying, and they are still expanding everywhere. We can never finish all the fish in the water. Never. They are all there. We can, we can fight over fishing rights. But the fish is still there. They don't have they don't complain about rights. They still mass produce in millions and millions and millions and millions. We can never overfish. So that by if I'm I'm offending some all these uh, uh, climate change. Then it changes from the world verse 27 to 86. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the earth. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. And for each of these above actions, God made pronouncements which release reproductive power for each thing he created. It made pronouncements for reproductive power for each of the things that he created. So, what are we saying here? God made everything. And made everything, he made them for food for man. Because man is in charge. And man was to reproduce after his own kind. And for the seeds to continue to multiply, it needed to be sown and never to plant it. Hello? This thing, even though God has spoken them to be, they needed to be planted. They needed to be sown into mm. the land. The seed needs to be grown again so that they can reproduce and produce food for our sustenance. And there's something else that I want to understand about this God. You see, God didn't just speak things. There are some things He put in motion. Now, let's look at it from Genesis 1, verse 14. Genesis 1, verse 14. God said something. God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens 
to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons, for days and years. Now, I want to understand something about the light that God is talking about. We're talking here about the sun and the moon that God created. The sun and the moon has a big role to play in the seasons of this earth. That's a big role to play in the seasons of this earth. And these seasons have something to do also with planting, with cultivating, with sowing, and with reaping. I want to see that picture because God is so wise in the way he does things. Now, let me just take you back to a bit of uh, geography or a bit of astronomy. Now, we all know that this earth that we're living in revolves around its axis for 24 hours. 24 hours. Mm. So it's like you have, let's assume that this ball is rotating. You're seeing here, Kekline in front of you, the water. And then what happened on this axis, almost like an axis like a vertical something, not south pole. So it reverts and it's turning and turning and turning and turning and turning and turning. It takes 24 hours to complete that turning. 24 hours. And that's why we have our days. The days we have. Now, this, this same of Assuming he said, this is the sun that we see here. Now, even as the earth is rotating on its own, it's also going around the sun. And it takes 365 and a quarter year, days to go around the sun. That means that for each cycle it's making on its axis, it takes 365 times. By the time it goes from here, all the way around to here, during the five and a quarter days in a year. That's why it takes for the sun, of the earth, to go around the sun. Now, the moon. Let's assume this is the moon. I want to see the picture of how God sometimes does things. The moon goes around its axis. By the time the moon completes on its axis, it takes 27 days for the moon to go around completely on its own. That means that by the time it, it takes about 27 days or 28 days, I would say approximately, to go around on its axis. And then the moon also goes around the earth. So it's going around, it takes a long time, almost the same time it takes. To go around the earth. Or the same time it takes to go around itself for you to take around the earth. And it takes 28 days as well to complete that cycle around the earth. That's why we have the lunar months. That's what we call the months. So the moon takes 28 days to go around there. I'm going to see show you something this one. Okay. Now, what am I saying is that? 
Now, I said before that the earth is trying to go around the sun. Now, the earth is, is at this angle. The earth will rotate around this angle. It's not about this. It's on this angle. So why it is going around the sun? Let's assume this is stable here. It's going around the sun. This side that faces the sun will feel the warmth mm. of the sun. But it take almost a year, about a year, for it to go around the sun. So as it's going around this way, up, up, this side is also taking the sun. This side is not getting the heat of the sun. It's not getting the heat of the sun. It's cold. That's why that winter month, because it's away from the sun. So you go around and around and around. This side is getting the sun. But now, this side now is not getting the sun. It's now autumn on this side. This side now begins to come spring, because it's going to show towards the sun. And it's going down, 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 then it half. Autumn again, it's going back again. So, by the time you complete the cycle, every part of the earth will have gone through the four cycles spring, summer, autumn, and winter. But the Bible says the sun and the moon are for signs and seasons, for days and years. And that's what happens here. Now, why am I saying this? Because each season determines the time for you to sow. In every country, the spring time is the time when you sow. You don't sow in summer, you sow in spring. And when it's spring, it's around March to April. That's the plan. In Africa, it's a part of Africa, you call it the dry season. It's about the beginning. That's the beginning of the dry season. Going towards the wet season. So you find that within the cycle of planting season, it produces six months and seven months. Because if you plant in March to April, the harvest time is only between September and October. How many of you know that October is the harvest season? People are celebrating harvest in October. Probably don't know about that. If you plant something in March, it happens in October. So we found that these seasons, God defined these things so that things can grow. So if you plant some things in rainy season in Africa, you get nothing. Ah, you know. You plant in rainy season, you get nothing. You have to plant just before the heavy rains come. Because heavy rains is intended to water the soil and cause it to grow. And the soil is intended to give the energy for the plant to produce food. The water and the soil together provide nourishment. And then the soil provides the energy for the plant to produce food. And the food is stored in the form of seeds or fruits that we eat. And that's God's design. The way He does that to provide for ourselves. Now, if you look at the major festivals, I want to take you back a little bit of your yesterday. 
Because all these things have relevance to the song that they were singing. They were not only singing about what God has done for them, they are singing about the harvest that they enjoy. Because all the seasons, all the festivals are on each of the seasons. The first festival, which is the feast of Passover and the leavened bread, is only done during the springtime. The time of sowing. That's what we call the Easter. Because when we talk about uh, Easter time, whenever you talk about Easter, that's the time of Passover. You all know that Jesus Christ was crucified on the day of Passover. He was crucified. He ate the Passover. He was arrested that same night. He suffered. And then by Friday, that's when he was crucified. Thursday was Passover. The feast of the living bread began on, on Friday. Friday, Jesus Christ was arrested and crucified. He died. But on the third day, which is Sunday, he rose again. And you see, one of us said that this thing happened during the time of Easter. That's why we celebrate Easter. Most of the time, it's always either in March or in April. Now, why is this so? Why is it not constant like Christmas? Christmas is a fixed day. It doesn't matter whether it's Saturday or Sunday or whatever. Christmas is a fixed day. But Easter is never a fixed date. Because Easter is dependent on lunar calendar. When the moon first appears. Because it's Jewish people, the year is calculated according to lunar months. The lunar calendar is 28 days in a month. Whereas the Roman calendar is different. The Roman calendar is different. That's why the lunar calendar of the Jewish people is longer in terms of number of years than the Roman calendar that we use. So whenever the, 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 uh, the first moon is sighted, that's when the feast of Pentecost begins. And that's when the date for the uh, for, for the date for the, uh, for Easter is given. And people can celebrate Easter and that month. And that's the planting season of that. Then the feast of the first fruit takes place 50 days after Passover. 50 days. That's what we call the Feast of Weeks. So after the first fruit, what happened? After 50 days, those harvests that you get, the first fruit, you ask when you present that in the temple as a wave offering to the Lord. So many of you will know from Africa, if you are cultivating crops like something like cassava, when you plant cassava, you can go around a little bit, then halfway between the planting and the full harvest, you can go there and you scrape the soil. When you scrape the soil, you see a little tube of cassava. You cut that one, you take it home and eat. Uh, I see when you go before you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you take a bit of half first, first fruits and present. There will be a little bit of harvest that we can begin to get from there. Even like corn, when you plant corn, yeah. corn quickly grows. You can get the harvest within that period, from the time you plant it to the time. In fact, 
Scorn doesn't have to wait until September. We can harvest it halfway through that period. If you leave it to September, like back home in Africa, or to October, by that time you start to dry. That one you can't eat it anymore. You will try to eat it, you break your teeth. Sometimes they keep it for planting for the next season. But the one that you eat properly is one you harvest halfway through. Okay. Then the feast of ingathering I talked about before. The feast of ingathering is when you then gather the final harvest. And the feast of ingathering is celebrated during the autumn months. During the time of autumn. That's when the harvest will have been complete. And you can go and harvest and bring everything together. So I'm not sharing this thing because you know how God set things in motion. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, when Noah made a burnt offering to the Lord of all the clean animals that were saved in the boat, that would say God smells eh, a fresh aroma from the burnt offerings. And God made a declaration and says in verse 22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and wheat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Mm. While this earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Cold and heat shall not cease. Winter and summer shall not cease. Day and night shall not cease. But as long as this earth remains, a time is going to come when this earth will no longer remain. When this earth no longer remains, there's no need for all of that anymore. No planting anymore. No sowing and reaping. No day and night anymore. No summer, no seasons. Everything ends. And now we're living in eternity. No more counting of hours. So we're living according to God's eternal purpose and plan for us. Now, what is it that we need to look at now? Sorry, my time is almost gone. Let's look at the spiritual perspectives of God. You see, God is, like I said before, in terms of multiplication and abundance. God wanted, when God made Adam and Eve, He wanted them to be like Him. He wants them to be like him in innocence, holy, righteous before him. But what happened? The devil came in and caused a mess. And when God caused a mess, what did God do? God did not cast man. God did not cast man. He caused the ground. He caused the ground. So that man will have to struggle. To go to get food. They cause the ground. And they cause the devil. They cause the devil. But they says to the devil in Genesis 3 verse 15. He says to the devil, I'm going to put an enmity between you and the woman that you deceived. I'm going to put an enmity between her seed and your own seed. He said, the seed of the woman 
will smash and cross your head. Then you will bruise and heal. You will bruise his heel. Then the seed of woman will cross your head. And what happened? That prophecy became fulfilled in Christ. Because what happened? What the devil did was to wound Christ. Christ was wounded. That's what he did. That was the wound. He said he's going to bruise the steel. He wounded. What happened to the devil? He said, smash. Jesus Christ smashed his head. He took authority from him. The power of sin, the power of death, the case of things, he took away from them. To that death, for sin that the devil caused, to that death, Jesus found access to Hades. When he went to Hades, the devil didn't respect that. They didn't have the keys. Yeah? He gave the keys. When he gave the keys, what happened? He released all the saints of God who were under bondage. He released them from captivity and took them to paradise. That's what the saints of God are today. In the paradise of God. That's what happened. Now, God is still in the business rescue. He found that to make this thing happen, to actualize the purposes, what happened? God had to call a man called Abraham. Mm. He called him from the land of all. The land we call today Iran or Iraq. He called him from Iraq. This was a man who was not, he was an adorable person. God called him and brought him out of that land. And took him to the land of Canaan. He took him there because he wanted to start a new generation of people that will serve him, that will worship him. They began the process through which all mankind shall be redeemed and saved from the power of sin. So he entered into a covenant with Abraham and with his descendants that will follow Abraham. That's why when we talk about the lineage of Jesus Christ, it's always traced back to Abraham. Hello? It was traced back to Abraham because that was the man God chose to begin a new process of redemption of man. From Abraham, we have Isaac. From Isaac, we have Jacob. From Jacob, we have the 12 tribes of Israel. And eventually, from Jacob, among the sons of Jacob, we have Judah. And from Judah, kings and priests arose on top of Judah. And then eventually you saw somebody like David. You see, somebody like uh, Saul was not on top of Judah. Saul was on top of Benjamin. Saul was on top of Benjamin. But kingship belonged to Judah. Because the people wanted somebody. They looked at the eyes. Somebody poor. Giants to be our ruler. And God said, You want somebody? Okay, that's the man for you, Saul. But that was not the man, the man God wanted. The man God wanted was to come from the king of Judah. That was David. From David, God established the covenant to David. And from David, you have Jesus Christ coming. That lady is coming from Jesus, the Redeemer and Savior of Israel. That's what God did from there. It began in the process by which all mankind shall be saved. 
So, what I'm saying here, having done that, Jesus Christ has come. He has paid the price. He died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of man. But he wanted the whole world to be saved. And that's why he gave a message to us today. That we might go and proclaim the good news so that all of us can also be saved and they become the children of God. That was why before Jesus Christ died, or after he died and rose again, he gave the commission. As we saw in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. He gave a commandment to all of us to preach the gospel to every creature, to all nations of the world, and to make disciples of all nations of the world. So evangelism or the gospel or the message of the commission is in two parts. Evangelism and discipleship. To preach the gospel and also to disciple them. What does it mean to disciple? Is to make them to be spiritually mature and strong. And not only that, to make them to be like Jesus. Because mm. Jesus Christ Himself is the image and likeness of God the Father. So if you are like Jesus, you are automatically like God Himself, the original plan of God from the time of the Garden of Eden. That's what God wants. And everybody that you say, God wants them to be like Jesus. Mm. And by being like Jesus, they are automatically like God himself. God's looking for people who look like him. And that's why this message is given to you to sow. What do you sow? The word of God. That's why Jesus can mention something about the parable of the soul. Hello? The parable of the soul. How many of you know about the parable of the soul? Yeah. If you look at Mark chapter 4, verse 2 to 20, you'll see the example of what it means, what it says here. Yeah. If you look at the interpretation towards the end, it's related to what we're saying now. You see, you see the natural part of it, and you see the spiritual part of it on the same parable. What happened here? Jesus Christ said, a man went about sowing. He has seed in his hand. As he sowed, some fell on the wayside. And the birds of the earth came and ate it. And some fell among rocks. And because there was not enough depth of soil in the rocks, this seed quickly sprang up. And then when the sun came, they died away. And some fell among thorns. And because they fell among thorns, as it came to grow, the thorns were choking it and choking it and choking it, and it was not able to bear fruits. It became unproductive. It became unfruitful. And some fell on the good soil. When they fell on the good soil, it says some of them, they bear fruit. 64, 100-fold. There was a harvest. Mm. There was fruitfulness. And the disciples came to him and asked him, he said, what does this parable mean? And Jesus Christ tried to explain what it means. He said, the seed 
is the word of God. Hello? The seed is the word of God. You need to sow the seed to have a harvest. Without sowing, there's no harvest. Without planting God's word into people's lives, there's no way they can respond to the gospel. Hmm. That's why we need to do the job of going to sow. Because if you don't sow, you will not eat. Mm. Hello? Mm. If you don't plant, no food. Imagine all the farmers that go on strike. All of you will complain to that one. No, no chicken. That's <laughs> true. The farmers that go on strike, no fish, no poultry. Look at the last month or a few weeks ago. They said there were no butchers <laughs> to kill uh, to, uh, butchers in that battle to kill the uh, animals there. And people start complaining, oh, things are expensive, inflation is going up, and so on and so forth. What the government do? They quickly gave temporary visas to butchers in Europe to come and kill the pigs <laughs> and the cows so that we can eat meat. Imagine that. My mom used to say, back in the home in the village in those days, my mom tells you, he said, can you come and watch that play? <laughs> okay, can you come and peel that uh, yam for me? Uh, mommy, it's too much as I said. Oh, no, 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 and then we go out the door and see the sick for some part. We see and see and give you some. In a lie, we will not eat it. You will stand there hungry, you go to bed hungry. No sympathy for you until the money, what can I do for you? You don't cook, you don't sow, you get nothing. Many of us are like that. When it comes to spiritual things, tell you to do some things, you don't want to do it. How can you grow spiritually? When you see souls giving their life to Christ, it's an excitement. Not only are you excited, but heaven is excited. Heaven is excited. It's not easy to be evangelism. It's not easy. People abuse you, insult you. Sometimes the street of London are taking tracks and giving out to people in trap on the street of London. And remember one time I gave a track to someone and he asked me, he said, What is that? I said, It's a gospel tract. It's telling you about Jesus Christ. It's not coming back to me. He said, My friend, I don't believe in that. I believe in pounds telling. What's in that? I don't believe that I believe in the man's telling. Another occasion I went out to share the gospel with somebody. And on the street, I saw a lady coming back from shops. So I was talking to her and she was paying attention. She was saying, you know, paying attention. We got towards her house for me to go and conclude my message at her home. She walked inside the house, banged the door, shut, bang. I'm standing outside, they left me outside there. And I'm saying, I said, oh my goodness, what is this? 
I said, okay, thank you, my friend. I wrote, I think I've shown the seat above. Yeah. I went to my last sister to go and share the gospel. I said, sister, I don't come to, not done before, it was in here lady. I said, I will do one part, and then after two or three times, see how I do it. When I've done it, then you also do the next one. Not doing that as a poor calculation. I did the first, second, third one. I said, the next. So I give them an example how to introduce yourself, how to do. I said, she has seen how I've done it. I saw the next door, she went, ring the bell, it was an interval. Who is there? It was a lady. And then she started introducing herself the way I showed her. This lady just, lady a little bit, in fact, just utter, I don't know, a swear word. End of! My house. When you did that, I tell you, you can see this lady, it was like nobody has ever spoken to her before. She was so downcast. She was so upset. And I just said, oh my God, what did I put this lady into? And I'm not spending time trying to explain things to her, trying to encourage her. He said, there's a pastor, I'm going home. Pastor, I'm going home. She left and went home. And I continue with the job of doing that. But despite all of that, I've seen many cases where, contrary to my explanation, people give their hand to Christ. Just like that. Just like that. But God wants us to share the gospel. Amen. We need to have tracks. Pray over the tracks. Because the devil that we see out there is blinding people's eyes and their minds. And they want to see the gospel and believe in Jesus Christ. But despite all its abundance, like we sang in the song, day and night, and so on and so forth, and eventually, you will come back with the harvest, with joy in your hearts, rejoicing, bringing your sheep to the Lord, and the Lord himself will reward you for what you've done. Amen. I want to conclude this with the testimony that was true. Many of you probably, probably know about this story. There was a father and son they used to go evangelism every day. Not, not every day, I mean once a week or so. They do evangelism once a week. The father and son, the father is a pastor. And they go on evangelism. So, one day, it was so heavy rain. The rain was falling so heavy that the father said to the son, Son, I don't think we can go out today. The rain is too heavy. We can't go out. The son said, Daddy, I will go. So I will go. So the son took the son took the shots and went out in the wet, cold rain. And he was putting the tracks to the door. Putting the tracks to the door. Putting the tracks to the door. And he went only one track left for him. So he started to think and said, which house should I drop this last track on this street? This is a true story. So he took that track and went in particular door and pressed the bell. There was no answer. He pressed the bell again. Quite unlikely. He pressed the bell again. He picked one piece on the knocker. Not knowing that as an old lady in that same house that was about to commit suicide. This lady had climbed on the stool. He had put the noose on the beam up there. 
And she was about to put her neck on that noose and take the stool. She had to get pregnant. So while she stood on that stool, she helped this woman. Nobody has ever rang her bed for a long time. And she was lonely. She had been frustrated. There's so many things that happened in her life. And that's why she thought, I want to end it all. I want to end it all. So she pressed the bell. This man, this young boy pressed the bell the first time. The girl, the, the man, the lady ignored it. He said, oh, baby, it's all these strange people there. But the bell kept on persistent. There was persistence in the bell. Like I was talking about here. So he said, this person constantly going, bearing the seat, going and fro, persistence. And so this boy was still persistent. Until the this lady said, let me go and get rid of this person whoever is there at the door. And here he saw this little boy smiling at him at her. He said, Uncle, God bless you. I just came to give you this gospel tract. Good news for you. And so on. And this lady was just wondering, what's the good news is given to me? And this lady took this little tract and now went and sat down to read the tract because he wanted to find out what is the good news. In this little tribe, mm -hmm. she has forgotten about the stool and the news that was there. She read that track, and there was a sinner's prayer towards the end. Mm -hmm. She prayed that sinner's prayer, gave a life to Christ on her own, based on that sheet of paper. And there was an address of the church where that came from, it was a stamp given there. The following Sunday, she picked up that track. And went to that church. When he went to that church, and the pastor gave an opportunity to give a testimony, and this lady came forward, so I have a testimony to give. And she came forward and said that that this piece of paper, somebody gave this piece of paper to me two days ago. I was about to commit suicide and to kill myself, but through this piece of paper, I gave my life to Christ. Say, whoever gave me this piece of paper, I don't know. But I give thanks to God for what God has done in my life to save my life. And then the pastor wondered who could have given this lady that same tract that they and the son had been using. And remember, it was the son. The very day they didn't want to go on evangelism. Mm -hmm. The very day they didn't want to go evangelism. But the son went because the Lord prompted him to do so. And somebody was saved that day. Maybe God is coming in today. And God is saying to you that sow the seed. Sow at any time. In season after season. In fact, this is the only time you don't have to sow in spring. You can sow in all seasons because the harvest is already white to be harvested. And God is looking for you and I to reach out to these people. Understand tomorrow there's going to be an evangelism out there in the streets of Liverpool. Maybe you can make yourself available and be a part of that process. We never know what happens when you give a tract and you share the gospel with somebody. Because God can use anybody mm. to save souls. Mm. You just have to use the pastor or the bishop or anybody else. You can use anybody else. Time will fail you to give more examples of people who have responded to the call. For the gospel, 
A young girl went with a team to India. And the team were preaching the gospel. She was meant to support the people. But a lot of people came forward. Came forward for the gospel to be prayed for. And the man of God was praying for some people laying hands on them. And people were getting healed. And people, she was standing behind the man of God as a supporter. And a lot of people came reaching to her. He said, please pray for me too. The lady went backwards. Ah, not me, I'm not the pastor. Let them go forward. And the pastor said, my friend, go forward. Go and pray for them. Mm-hmm. What happened? This day went in simplicity of spirit. I just laid hands on these people, some of them lepers, and they instantly healed. Because she obeyed God. They were healed. They were healed. Not because of her, but because of the Lord. And she went back to UK to start reading the Bible to find a lot more. As it began to grow in grace and grow in faith. Mm-hmm. And then and many more missions to reach out to the lost. God is calling you and I for this great asylum. Shall we pray? In the name of Jesus. Oh God. I come before you, Lord. Have your way, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father, I want to thank you. Yes, Lord. For your awesome God. Mm. You are indeed the Lord of the harvest. Mm. The harvest truly is plentiful. Mm. But the laborers are few. Mm. And you ask us to pray. For the, the Lord of the harvest to send the laborers into the field. Well, I thank you for this opportunity tonight. And you're calling each and every one of us for us to go into the harvest field to reap the harvest. But sometimes others are sown. And you also want us to sow that we might reap. I thank you, Lord, for the assurance that you've given us to us. That even as we go out in tears to sow, we shall doubtless come back rejoicing. Mm. Bringing in the sheaves. We are coming ourselves into your hands. Help us, Heavenly Father. And I will walk with you. I pray for courage. I pray for boldness. I pray for empowerment of the spirit. That we're going to stand strong to be your true witnesses in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world. Screaming us, O God. Empower us, Almighty God. Cause us to be obedient to you. 
And to do that which we do. Or do that which you want us to do, oh God. They can plant, they can sow, it is you that bring about the increase. All that you desire us to be obedient to you, to do your will, and to do that which you've commanded us to do. Thank you all for grace to be obedient, to be faithful, to do your bidding. That there will be a great harvest on that day when Christ comes. And we shall celebrate with all those people, all those saints of God, who have been saved through the preaching of our gospel. We bless you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you for the help of your spirit. You will not leave us alone in this great task of the end times. Thank you, bless the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.